This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus Begin. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike B. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today we are talking about year two breakouts, not sophomores, but the second year players. Okay, so that's like your retro freshmen, your actual true sophomores, but year two. And just for everyone that's more into the dynasty space, that's going to be your 2025 draft class, at least your early declares. Uh, but first, Corey with the news. Yeah, so we've got a lot of news coming in uh, over the last week. I'm going to start with some major headlines here, talking about some realignment news uh, once again. Uh, with more Pac-12 exodus, with Oregon and Washington finalizing their move to the Big Ten, uh, as well as Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah moving to the Big 12, which leaves the Pac-12 looking like the Pac-4 now. So <laughs> I'm not sure what the future holds for this for this conference right now. There's also rumors that Cal and, Stav- and Stanford have had early discussions with the ACC. So, I mean, this could be even Pac-2 sooner than, sooner than later. This could become independent. I don't even know what's going to happen, but that's going to be something interesting to kind of follow. All I know is that uh, college football is going to look a lot different uh, in a few years than, than the game that we know today um the other major piece of news this actually came out today while i was kind of busy with work i wanted to look into it a little bit more but um from what i can gather uh unc transfer wide receiver devontes walker came over from kent state had his immediate eligibility waiver denied out of nowhere kind of here um but walker announced his commitment to unc before january and then in january the league approved new rules for two-time transfers that had to sit out now uh and technically walker had transferred before but he's one of those those rare cases that uh his school uh they postponed their season during the covid pandemic um he also lost the season because of an acl so he's really only played for one school which is kent state so um but they're abiding by these new guidelines and now they're saying that walker isn't eligible to play unc is going to appeal the decision and most people are saying he has a pretty good case he kind of does with the lost season uh and the acl injury earlier in his career so most are feeling optimistic that he'll be able to play but um this is definitely uh, potentially a big blow to this offense and a really big blow to Devontae's Walker stock if he can't play. Uh, Mike, I do want to ask you, is there anybody in this room that you might target as an option if Walker doesn't play this season? Because this is a bunch of guys that we don't really know. You know, uh, Chris Culliver, a freshman in this class, wide receiver 18 in this class. You got the slot guys, Pacehorn, McCollum, Andre Green, a guy in the, uh, from last year's class. Does anybody here really stand out to you as an option? Um. The other, the other transfer from Georgia Tech, because I, I just wasn't impressed with any of the current players from UNC coming back. Just, you know, I know Pacewar is probably a big favorite there for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, but I probably just looked to outside talent. I'm not, I'm just, I don't know. I really don't know what the identity of that all passing offense is without Devontae Walker. I will say this though, I am interested in Chris Culliver. I still haven't, I haven't heard any news about him. I haven't even yeah. searched for him, but he was definitely one of those freshmen that I wanted to keep my eyes on. So. Yeah, he's probably he'd probably be where I go, kind of just taking a shot on the unknown there. McCollum and uh, Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech over there is is kind of an interesting slot guy. Um, but yeah, Chris Culler is probably where I'd go to take maybe a, a late shot on if this ends up uh, being a thing for Devontae Walker. Let's hope not. Let's knock on wood there. Um, injury updates. I'm going to kind of rapid fire these because there's quite a bit of them. Uh, Wake Forest, Donovan Green. He's out three to five months, so you can expect that he's probably not making much of an impact this year. Uh, Auburn running back, Jarquez Hunter. He's back and participating in practice. Um, Kentucky wide receiver, Barryon Brown. He's sitting out with an undisclosed injury right now. We're not really sure what's going on there. Jonathan Brooks is missing time with an illness right now, which uh, 
it probably won't affect his week one status, but it's probably giving a chance for some other guys to shine a little bit. Um, Florida wide receiver Eugene Wilson talked about him sitting out last week. He's back as a full participant, so that was pretty minor. Iowa State running back Jarell Jarell Brock has yet to practice uh, this fall at all. So maybe looking back at Cartavius Norton over there to see if maybe he can make some noise. Jamarion Miller over at Alabama, he's dealing with a quad issue right now, so he's not practicing. Uh, Pierce Sperlin, tight end, freshman in this class at Georgia, he's back at practice after breaking his collarbone. Uh, A G5 to P5 transfer in Purdue wide receiver Jamal Edrin. Uh, he set to miss the season after tearing his ACL this past week. Um, and then Ohio State, Evan Pryor, Emeka Egbuka, and Trayvon Henderson are all participating in fall camp full go, so no limitations there. Um, Squirrel White is back at Tennessee after missing spring, but he's limited. Byron Cardwell running back at, at uh at Cal now, <laughs> he's out for the season, but Justin Williams-Thomas is day-to-day. Um, and Branson Robinson at Georgia running back, he's back at practice, even though he's also limited. So that was a lot of injury updates there. Um, heading over to a little bit of camp tidbits here. Uh, UCLA isn't going to name their starter until after week one, but Ethan Garbers is taking most of the first team reps. Uh, Arizona State will name a starter before week one, so we will get to see who's there. LSU running back Caleb Jackson has apparently been getting some first team reps in practice. Uh, Colorado wide receiver cornerback Travis Hunter is apparently up to 185 pounds from 165 um Stanford freshman wide receiver Tyler Bachmer is listed as a starter and Ole Miss freshman wide receiver Aiden Williams a guy that we're not too big on here he's been getting rave reviews and is expected to contribute in year one for the Rebels maybe with the loss of Chris Chris Marshall there looking for someone to fill that that was a lot of updates guys but just a reminder that we did just release the CFF guide on July 1st. It's 250 pages, team outlooks, projected depth charts, rankings, everything you need to attack your drafts this offseason. That's a $20 one-time purchase or become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to this guide, as well as our supplemental and freshman guides, our Devi guide, and access to all the awesome tools you see posted all over Twitter. We also debuted the brand new C2C Winning Edge, which is a collaboration with CFB Winning Edge to help you bring you guys the amazing in-depth work school depth charts, uh, statistical uh, projections, uh, game spread projections for all you better. So make sure you guys are checking out the family of podcasts, the YouTube channels, to make sure you guys are keeping up to date with everything going on throughout the offseason. Now, Corey already mentioned this, but we are in, we, we, are, we are living in history right now. We are, well, I mean, that's obviously what we are, but we are living in an exciting part of history. The Pac-12 is imploding. And Corey, 20 years from now, when your kids ask you, Dad, where were you when the Pac-12 just blew up? You're going to need something. You're going to need a memento. You're going to mm-hmm. need home field apparel. You know, before the teams leave, you need to make sure you got the Pac-12 logo on that retro gear. You just need to mark the occasion so that when your kids come out and be like, Dad, where were you when the Pac-12 blew up? You can be like, pull out the shirt. Son, I was in that burger shop over here where <laughs> University of Oregon, whatever. You got you to gotta mark the occasion. You need to get some home field apparel. They are We are sponsored by them. You get a promo code of campus to canton that's the whole word campus the number two in canton for 15 that's one five percent off your first purchase at home field apparel make sure you mark the occasion folks this is huge okay everyone's gonna remember this stuff all right Corey, let's get into it let's get into um actually no i i want to before we get into our breakouts i want to ask if you have any indicators of breakouts we talked about this last year but I want to see if uh, anything changed for you. I kind of did a copy and paste from last year's show sheet, but <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. But um, like for quarterbacks, are there any indicators there for breakouts for you or something you look for? Uh, 
I think a lot of things can be, you know, uh, um, subject to to potential breakup here. You know, uh, even going down the list here, you've listed some things. You know, talking about opportunity, um, whether it's someone like leaves or transfers out, uh, uh, leaves a ton of a uh, ton of production left over. Um, especially like if it's in a system that has like a, like a historical trend of producing at that position as well. You know, um, that's somewhere you could look. You know, whether there's a scheme change or like a coaching change. You know, like uh, I know the NFL. We constantly talk about uh, betting on talent. Uh, over situation um, but in college like the situation is actually a big deal these coaches they bring like their system place to place um, they they plug guys in we saw this you know this year this past year with Washington's Kalen DeBoer and seeing McMillan or um, Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunes they have career years seeing the rebirth of, uh, of Michael Penick so you know you can find potential breakouts uh, like that and then you know there, there's you know the guys transferring two places as well, like Jamison Williams uh, joining a, a, the, a quiet wide receiver room there at, at Bama and breaking out over there, or a team gets a high end recruit, like you get Kayla Williams in, and that changes the outlook of everybody around him and, and presents a lot of upside. So there's a few ways to help identify breakouts, but you know at the end of the day, like sometimes the guy is just too talented to ignore, and that's at, at the base of it. That's what it really comes down to. I mean, you kind of covered everything there. I don't, I don't know how I can add to that at all <laughs> well you listed that you, you listed things here so i was uh, I I, things. yeah yeah I, I mean for qbs just in the pen you kind of talked about that running backs i like to get on the field early i mean it's not always how it is you gotta wait your turn um with transfers and stuff for wide receivers obviously i just year one zero theory i was my ride or die honest to god I, there's only two like guys that stood out that's beaten that and even you know they got some pretty good excuses for not beating it originally so your one zero theory for me is just how I do it. And then um, I like to see how they finish last year. You know, some guys are late bloomers, so you kind of look at the final weeks. There's always a few bowl game performances where guys kind of blow up and, you know, get their name out there. Some of them are kind of duds. Like, for example, Lorenzo Styles definitely left us, left us high and dry last year. But other guys do go on to become like studs. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. caught three touchdowns in his bowl game, you know. So um, that's for wide receivers and then tight ends. You know, we all hate tight ends, but I'm just looking at spring reports and I don't really <laughs> – I don't challenge them because I don't look into them enough. So I'll just go by spring reports. No. And I mean, you did right here, you know, you, like yards per route run, like there's the analytic side of it as well. That, that does show some signs of, of a breakout, Efficiency, you know, lar- yeah. large market shares in, in underwhelming offenses, um, high yards per route run in underwhelming offenses. Sometimes these guys are flying under the radar, but if you're commanding a lot and earning those targets, that's something you should be looking out for. You know, there's a lot of uh, analytics like that to look towards as well. I'm not an analytics guy, so I can't tell you everything, but I do incorporate them a lot in my evaluation as well all right let's get into the qb room here uh we're just we'll talk about them but for the most part we are going to ignore qbs like drew Aller, connor wegman kate klubnik we all know they're starting next year they're all high pedigree guys i already talked about plenty uh so we don't really feel the need because like here's all right so drew Aller, i love drew Aller. he's got great tools he's definitely flashed some nfl stuff as a true freshman um but his Wide receiver room is a little bit dry. Like, I love Amari Evans, but, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here mm-hmm. and say that he makes that room an elite room. Like, no way. <laughs> so, I don't know if like, he can have the best season. And then Connor Wegman, who, like, kill, he killed Ole Miss, and then he disappeared for was some sort of terrible game. He disappeared against someone that was not good. Um, but I, I'm going to say Kate Klubnik. Kate Klubnik has the best producing season out of the three. New OC, Garrett Riley. He's got Antonio Williams and Adam Randall. I know Bo Collins hasn't impressed us there, but you can do it. That's a pretty good trio for a starting room. Um, And then Will Shipley, we might might not like him as a runner, but Will Shipley certainly is a really good pass catcher too. So uh, I think the OC could really turn around that offense. 
I think actually, I can't even gonna say this. I think Keith Klubnik might have the best like producing season out of the three as a sophomore. He 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 might be. I mean, we weren't talking very highly about Max Dugan last year either, and we saw what what Garrett Riley was able to do for him. Like for me, like Kate Klubnik is um probably the biggest unknown to me because like we talked about it before, and I'm I am kind of low on him like at least to compare to consensus like we just haven't been that impressed with what i've seen on the field um, i know it's still early so i'm not ready to like write write that off yet he, he is gonna have good weapons there this is a team that um has had good quarterback seasons in the past i mean like even last year is abysmal year last year for for offense um they passed for over three thousand yards between Cade and dju so i mean you're still getting a, a pretty prolific passer i don't think it's unreasonable to probably expect like a close to a three thousand yard season from him maybe more especially like with the talent he has around him um i was actually looking at penn state's like like quarterback room they they've actually had like pretty decent production i want to say like clifford was like averaging around three thousand yards probably like yeah. 20 25 touchdowns a year mcsorley back in the day 3500 yards and 25 touchdowns a year a little bit of mobility as well uh, both these guys actually using the running game which i think is going to be a part of like like Dreller's game as well so like i don't even think a three thousand yard season is out of this uh, out of the realm for him either especially if like you include the rushing as well but i am more concerned like you said about the weapons around them uh, who's gonna do the worst? I just want to flip it on you. Who's gonna do the worst? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm thinking. I'm I think Connor way, Wegman. Yeah. By the way, we're talking. I think it has to be Connor Wegman. Yeah. It's, you know, again, I was looking at the back, the backlog of them outside of like Kellen Mond, like having one season over three thousand. They really don't like twenty five hundred, like what they usually yeah, they, do, like. The Jimbo Fisher effect. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like he came here, he blew up against Ole Miss. Love it. And then Auburn disappeared. UMass disappeared. LSU pretty decent against LSU. I mean, only 100, 155 yards, but still had two touchdowns and 12 completions on like 18 attempts. But like, yeah, I think I think Wegman's got to be it. Yeah, like he'll to me, he's gonna have to like step outside like this offense a little bit and flash the arm talent, flash efficiency. And and protect the ball a little bit because he's not going to be a guy who's going to put up like the gaudy stats like everybody else. I just don't think that's going to happen at Texas A and M unless like Stewart and, and Wegman just bring a whole new new era to Texas A and M and they just they're prolific or whatever. But like I honestly think if he hits like twenty eight hundred passing yards this year, you'd have to be like pretty happy with that. Like given yeah how much they usually pass usually. So who gets drafted first of the three? Oh, Drew Aller easily. He has the best tools there. <laughs> I love the size. Um. And I, I, even though he might not have the weapons this year, they're always like kind of active in the transfer portal. And maybe Amari Evans takes a step forward. Maybe KLS takes a step forward. Um, but Dante I, I think he's just disrespect. Come on, he's he's okay. He's okay. <laughs> um, but I, I think this room has definitely can definitely improve the next year, and he'll obviously improve as well. So I think Drew Aller is the best quarterback in this class. I think everyone would agree with that statement too. Yeah, I don't think that has to. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Obviously, I think that's the one. If you had to choose one of the three today, right now, who becomes a day three pick? I mean, I'll, I'll go because I'm always putting you on okay. the spot. I'm I, I'm already lower on Cade, so it's an easy answer for me. Um, but I would have to say it's going to be Cade. I just don't think there's any physical attributes there that stand out. I don't think he has legs that stand out i don't think there's there's nothing to me that stands out about his game very much i could see him if the struggles continue falling to a day three pick that's pessimistic i'm looking at the downside here but that's kind of the basis of the question so he would be my pick i think of the three i was gonna say kind of wegman i just i don't know i'm such a jimbo fisher hater um, yeah i got you 
I don't really know if it's really about the player more than the system around him. I feel like he could really just sabotage him. So, but I, I'm with you there on K. Like, K doesn't really have any special tools. And I know, like, Austin talks and jokes about, like, the um, the Joe Burrow line as far as, like, being a passer. So, I yeah. don't really know if K is really above that. I mean, he might just really be on the line. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so. <laughs> Going into the breakouts, though. This is tough, man, because, like, for quarterbacks, you know, we talk, like, there's only a handful of quarterbacks we really care about each year, um, each draft class. So, I'm, I'm starting off here with uh, NC State quarterback MJ Morris as a potential breakout here for 20, well, for this year, but for next year's class. Um, Robert and I comes over to NC State. Robert and I specializes in dual threat quarterbacks. He always knows how to get the most out of them. You know, he made Garrett Schrader look, I thought, pretty decent last year, too. No one's really talking about yeah. draft buzz. At least he didn't really do that part. But, like, uh, Brandon Armstrong, when he was at UVA, he was like rated as like a top two, three quarterback in the ACC, talked about as a Debbie asset. And then as soon as he left, he became the worst quarterback in the ACC uh, along like every single metric. And even like the services were making like, you know, uh, their graphics online. They always had him at the bottom. So MJ Morris is a dual threat. I think he throws a nice spiral, but I've seen like they they dumbed down the system for him last year in his spot starts. And he looked really successful in a very simple system. I think once he has like a year with an eye, or he really just one off season, I think he can potentially beat out Brandon Armstrong. Like I really do. I don't think Brandon Armstrong is that special. I think, I think MJ Morris might surprise people and take over the reins like mid season if Brandon Armstrong is struggling. So, I think MJ Morris is my breakout player as far as like Debbie goes. Like, it's, I don't know about the tools, but someone definitely to watch. Yeah, I do think you know, like like uh, Armstrong's familiar familiarity with Anai is going to like, you know, give him a pretty long leash. I feel like the reports weren't that great in the spring either. He definitely had his struggles as well. And I was kind of hope, you know, I was kind of disappointed when they actually brought in Armstrong. Cause like those two starts from MJ Morris last year, like I actually thought that he flashed a little bit as well. Like I was pretty excited to, 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 to get a good look at him this year. I was ready to lock him in as like a, like a top 30, 35 ish quarterback as a guy that I was watching, like uh, on the watch list for this year, if he was going to be the starter, but unfortunately, you know, we're gonna have to wait and see what kind of happens with him now, but, um heading over to my guy here another guy who might need some special circumstances okay but for a long time texas quarterback malik murphy was kind of the forgotten guy in this quarterback room um until like this spring game where he kind of put on a show there uh showed off that rifle of an arm um you know showed off the size showed off the trait 6'5 240 pounds um he was actually the number nine quarterback in last year's freshman class you know he just kind of fell underneath uh, everybody that's everybody that's there right um we obviously know that Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback there um and then you've got the very very hyped up five-star freshman Arch Manning so like where does where does Murphy fit in right I'd say if there's a path with Texas, it's, you know, if Quinn just doesn't end up being the guy that we think he can become and, and Arch Manning is still too fresh uh, to trust putting on the field, we could see Malik Murphy get a chance, you know, and with all these weapons, um, he could look pretty good, but I do think that's a relatively low chance. Um, I think you could argue in a sense for his value that like the breakout has already started to happen. You know, there was rumors, his phone was ringing off the hook after the spring game, teams wanted to come there, uh, be their starting quarterback. Um, I just think this guy has a lot of NFL tools, um, starting to grow his hype around him. Uh, I just think the value is only going to increase uh, throughout this throughout the season. Uh, like statistically, a breakout might be hard to come by without like some extraordinary circumstances in front of him. But I still think this is a guy whose, uh, whose value is going to rise, even if he doesn't step foot on the field. 
I like that. Uh, for my next guy, I got Taven Jackson, right? The transfer quarterback from Tennessee going to Indiana. He goes home to Indiana. His brother plays basketball, played basketball there. Um, not sure if he still does. I haven't really checked on the basketball roster in a while. You know how it is. Uh, but he goes home. He goes to ta- goes to uh, to Indiana. He was a tier two freshman for us last year in the supplemental guide. He's got really good placement. He doesn't have a lot of volume, but he definitely has a lot of athleticism and a nice quick release too as a ball. So, and I believe he is the very clear front runner to start. I don't think they have anyone on that depth chart for him, anyone to start over him. He's certainly an upgrade over their last quarterback, and he hasn't even had any real touches. Uh, he gets Cam Porter, Cam Camper back from injury too, who is a fairly decent JUCO guy. I'm not sure if he's much of a Devi asset, but he certainly is a threat to be a thousand yard receiver this year uh so i'm I'm looking forward to see david jackson over indiana which also just the whole roster of indiana is very poor but if david jackson can show some flashes some competent play beat beat the books i guess you know kind of win against the spread i think indiana could be a middling power five like destination for transfers you know like it's not it's not quite like Kentucky, you know, but like it could be a transfer destination school for guys that have failed out of like LSU or Alabama or whatever those those blue blood programs. So I like Taven Jackson. I liked his tools. Even when he was ready for Tennessee, I know a lot of people drafted him to be the next Tennessee quarterback until the $8 million man came over. But uh, I think Taven Jackson still has some sort of upside to him. He's worth rostering and keeping a watch on because you, you feel pretty positive about him touching the field this year. We're going to know exactly what type of player he is by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking before the show too. I always get him and, uh, and Caden Salter mixed up, which was pretty much the two high end quarterbacks and like two top 10 quarterbacks in their class. Like Taven Jackson, what was he? I can't even remember. I think he was a top 10 guy anyways, but um, I kind of like flamed out there at, at Tennessee, not getting a chance there at Tennessee anyways, but uh, I don't even have any other guys. I thought it was pretty hard to even find like the one guy, you know, this even goes back to like the transfer portal, like the new era of it. Just like guys, like teams are just plugging their their open vacancies with with guys out of the portal guys uh instead of relying on these younger freshmen um that they might have on their team or giving these young guys a shot so it's like I, it was hard to find like true starting sophomores that were interesting to put on this list still have the leftover too from covid like we still got six seven year players sticking around somehow and yeah i really exactly. i really hope that cleans up because i want to i want to see some rotation of talent you know i really do yeah, I want to see some young um, guys getting more chances, man. Yeah. Yeah. You ready to head over to wide receivers? Let's do it. Uh, so last week I mentioned the year one zero theory. So if you're new to Campus Canyon, new to uh, as a listener, first off, welcome. Uh, but the year one zero theory was a theory developed by Austin, expanded upon by Chris Moxley. Austin is Chris Moxley. Um, and so I just want to say just the year one zero theory is a – it's, it's a predefined threshold. It's saying that these receivers have to hit the minimum of one of eight categories uh, to beat the zero one zero theory. And they have exponentially higher odds of doing something in, in the NFL. Now it's not really a theory used to pick out studs, but you can use it to get rid of the duds. You know, if the guys don't hit the theory, then like their odds of doing anything in the next level is it's very, very low, or at least doing anything to a significant degree is very low. So you can go ahead and just remove them off your list or just drop them, whatever, you know, So the eight categories are 10 receptions, 100 receiving yards, five rushing attempts, 15 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, 10 scrimmage touches, 115 scrimmage yards, and then five punt slash kick returns. And also this theory was only tested out with 
top 300 recruits. So if a wide receiver was overall ranked 325, it doesn't apply to them. So don't worry about that. All right. So for this one, I wrote down the notes for Corey for wide receivers to just exclude the true freshman that hit 500 receiving yards. That's kind of a milestone that I made up um, where, you know, you see like three on average kind of true freshman hit the 500 receiving yards. This year we had quite a few more than that, but um, so that would include the players of Tetro and McMillan, Ted McMillan, Arizona wide receiver, Evan Stewart, Barry Brown, Antonio Williams, Matthew Golden, Dane Key, and then Cyrus Allen out of LA Tech. So we're not going to talk about any of those guys for this episode. We're already considering those guys broken out. Everyone knows who they are. They're already commodities. So nothing more to say about them. Um, we're going into the breakouts. So I'm going to start off with my first one here. I'm going to start off with uh, Travis Hunter, uh, wide receiver for well, wide receiver cornerback for Colorado. There's just not a lot of talent in that room. And Shadur Sanders, I don't really think of him as a as a Debbie quarterback. I don't think he has a trace for that. I don't think he has tools for that. But I think he's a really good college quarterback. And this team's going to be down a lot and down often. He's going to have to throw the ball 50, 60 times a game to keep in touch there. And even though Travis Hunter does play both ways, I do see him taking a lot of wide receiver snaps here. So I think he could lead this room as the main wide receiver. I still, we don't know. We won't know. It probably won't happen. But we still hope that he just does the full conversion of wide receiver because he is a very special mover. He's already put on weight. He's up to 185 pounds. He was already kind of a slim, thin and slender frame guy. So I, I just... As a mover, he's like very comparable to Kadarius Tony as a mover in the open field. There's, the sky is the limit if this guy does the full conversion, and I really want to see that. But again, I think he is a potential breakout player this year at wide receiver. Yeah, there's been a lot of emphasis on him being more of a wide receiver this year to to the point where like Deion Sanders is even getting mad that he was taking defensive uh, snaps. Like you see in some videos, he's yelling at him to get off the field. And some people have kind of been saying that that's just kind of like, you know, you got to get some more reps at wide receiver because you're already really good as a cornerback. But I don't know. It seems like they could be using him a lot. I even saw the interview of him at media days and uh, he was very short answers. He's got, you can tell he has, he has kind of like that wide receiver quarterback ego a little bit, but people are even asking him, he's like, you know, are you going to play, play both sides of the ball? Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. I I never want to come off the field. I don't want to, I'm mad when I'm on the field. I want to take every snap in the game and they're going to let me play to my limit and I don't have a limit. So I'm going to play every snap of every game. So he definitely kind of in line for a a breakout, even if it's not a statistical breakout, like he's going to be like a household name if he isn't already um, after this season, I think. So I'm big with you there i like that one um i'm gonna head over to mine gonna stay right at the top here with some with some low-hanging fruit um and i want to talk about luther burden out of missouri um i mean you were just talking about that year one zero threshold this is a guy who broke all eight categories of that year those year one zero thresholds he scored a nine touchdowns in three different ways he turned on a return um he caught one and or he caught some and he ran one in as well so very versatile guy uh Great size at the six foot, 209 pounds. He gives me those like DJ Moore vibes with that like stocky build and like the, the yak ability that he has. Um, and then looking at Missouri, we're going to see the departure of Dominic Lovett through the transfer portal, um, as well as uh, they're bringing in the OC uh, Kirby Moore from uh, Fresno State, who's been a part of, you know, Jalen Cropper being a, a 900, 2000 yard receiver the past two years, running out of that slot position that should be manned by Burden this year. Um, and I just, you know, I kind of hope that the arrival of this new offensive mind will help them, you know, 
break him out of the mold. They put him in a, as this gadget guy, and we see some of those targets, you know, develop more downfield. Because I, I, I am absolutely positive that he has the ability to become a complete wide receiver. And I just, I really think this is the year that he's going to put it all together and and stake his claim as the wide receiver one in the 2025 wide receiver draft class. He has a ton going for him there too. We've all, we've all talked about how he's misused last year. So yeah, I'm really excited about the new offensive system there. And Dominic Lovett almost had 900 yards with a really terrible system there. I, I, this is the year we either we either celebrate as we're all right on Luther Burden, or we we turn around and be like, "All right, we're wrong. He's done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, optimistic that we're right, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm heading on over to Alabama, who's having an identity crisis on offense. I'm gonna talk about Isaiah Bond here, yeah, the like uh, athlete to wide receiver, speedster, kind of a deep threat guy. He's your he's really your prototypical Alabama like recruit. You know, they like the smaller guys that are, are just freak athletes and speed. We got to see a plenty, plenty of him in the spring game there. Now the big question is who's throwing the ball. You know, we're we're not really excited for Milrow. Uh, Ty Simpson didn't look too exciting either. So it's hard to call this a breakout. But man, if like Bryce Young was there one more year, I would be pounding the table for Isaiah Bond to break out this year. The Blitnikoff Award list came out, and not a single Alabama wide receiver was even on the list on the watch list for preseason. Not Jermaine Burton, not Jacory Brooks. Nobody was on that list. So at mm-hmm. least the community agrees that the veteran talent on the roster currently is nothing special. Uh, maybe the transfer Malik Benson can change our minds, but uh, I think that there's plenty of room for bond to take over here. And he has a certain prototype that Nick Saban always likes to develop. So hopefully he can turn around the, uh, <clears throat> he can turn around the recent history of Alabama. Yeah, and another guy that broke the year one zero uh, thresholds. He was one of the one of one of the true freshmen to actually get on the field for Alabama wide receiver. Him and Kobe Prentice were kind of the two guys that actually got some good playing time. I think we can like agree that we think there there's an Alabama wide receiver who's going to break out in some kind of way this year. You know, even if it's not super gaudy stats, but whether that's like like I think we've kind of narrowed in on it's Isaiah Bond or it's it's Malik Benson. You know, and I just. Like I, I'm not sure who it's gonna be, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's either either to either one of them. You know, like like Bond actually opened up with the first team in the spring game. We didn't see Malik Benson until like the fourth quarter, even though he had a fantastic final drive. And maybe that's gonna propel him to a better uh, better standing next time we see him on the field. But I don't know. Bond has that pedigree, top fifty recruit in the nation last year. Has that speed that the NFL is gonna love, which Malik Benson all does as well. So it, it's really up in the air. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if it ends up being Bond. So I really, I actually like that call uh, quite a bit. Uh, he was going to be one of mine if you didn't take him, um, but yeah. you did. So I, I like that. I'm going to head over to kind of another another low hanging fruit, but maybe some some people are kind of getting a little bit low on him. But I'm talking about Clemson wide receiver Adam Randall. Um, we saw him just barely beat those year one zero thresholds, which which hopefully is going now sets him on a better traje- trajectory. Um, there was some worry going into this year with, with, with the knee concerns, um, having a cleanup procedure in the off season, but we, we found out it was the other, the other knee. So we were a little bit more optimistic about that. There was some of the weight gain as well. He was reportedly up to 230 pounds at one point, but ever since June, all the reports coming out have been glowingly optimistic about him. You know, he's practicing at full speed. There's pictures of him. There's no knee brace. Um, he looks absolutely shredded. He's down to 224 pounds on Clemson's latest roster up, update. And he looks 
like rip when you look at him. So he looks like he's in great shape right now. Uh, running back Will Shipley did an interview recently, asked which wide receiver to watch out for this year. He didn't even hesitate to name Adam Randall as the first guy out of his mouth. Um, this is this guy was a fantastic recruit. Like this, this guy was borderline wide receiver one for me in last year's class. Very versatile guy. Um, a, a prototypical size, great speed, open field instincts, um, and just everything a prototypical X you want. We're now entering year two of K Club Nick. We talked about in the last segment there with Garrett Riley coming in to be OC. Um, I think Club Nick kind of showed a tendency to prefer his bigger targets when I was watching the games uh, last year as well. So I think I think there's a lot lining up here for potential Adam Randall breakout. I I don't know if they'll be super gaudy numbers, but even like 900 yards and seven touchdowns or something, I'm going to be pretty happy if he if he puts that up this year. Yeah, no, I, I'm what, what a roller coaster, wasn't it? Like, what yeah, a like, yeah. ACL, dude, <laughs> we're down, and all of a sudden he's coming back. We're like, this guy's built different, he's coming back early from the ACL. What a freak! And then, like, yeah, it was kind of tough to watch him last year, honestly, really, when he it did was, get his yeah. touches. And then, you know, we're like, okay, but that's okay, be doing your one, so then be the year one zero threshold. We're back up again, we're like, all right, let's go, that's our boy, dude. and then. The, the cleanup you said, the gain weight, and I'm like, no, dude, he's getting fat. He's not doing anything. It's just, it's been, he's he's probably moved the most surgery. in my rankings, like, yeah. since the beginning. Like, at least in the top, like, 30, 35, he's moved, like, the most fluctuation, like, this offseason. I'm about to – I'm looking him up. All right, end of season 19, midwinter 34, early spring 33, <laughs> and then midsummer 25. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. up and down for me, man. What a roller coaster! Yeah. But I, I'm in, dude. I watched a clip of him today, and like you said, he like shredded, looking good. So I don't worry about any of that. Like the eye test checks out that as an athlete, everything is where it needs to be. So I, I'm all, I, I'm in on him bouncing back. I sent out some offers. Uh, I've been denied, um, but I think that's okay. I'm just excited that that we're excited again about him. Uh, let me ask you this though: Do you think, do you think there's a possibility? he overtakes Antonio Williams, like just two years from now, like NFL draft rolling around and Adam Randall is the one in that offense. And Antonio Williams is the two. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I do think that that's a possibility. I think Antonio Williams is always going to be a solid guy. I think he's always going to have production as well, but no, by like year, like year three for all, for all of them. I think he could be like the guy getting like a thousand yards while like Antonio Williams is like 800 yards, something like that. He's just like, prototypical x man he's like he's the clemson wide receiver that we've seen for years come out of clemson become a first round draft pick second round draft pick and like be a stud in the nfl like that's who adam randall is man yeah i'm pumped dude i can't wait for football dude we're like 18 days out dude i'm so yeah, pumped dude. about it i'm getting jacked man i'm getting pumped <laughs> <laughs> um I go, i'm going a little bit deeper with my next one i uh picked a guy out that i just don't want to be forgotten it's going to be Jordan Tyson. Another guy to tore an ACL. He was on a pretty good run. I want to say it was like three games of almost 100 yards each, but it also three, like, I think he had five touchdowns on the year. Uh, got hurt right before that 500-yard mark I mentioned for true freshman, but he was definitely on his way of breaking that little benchmark there. Um, he's a skinnier guy. I, I've always called him like a discount bearing in Brown. He's not quite a level of athlete, but I think they're kind of both the same level of rawness and kind of same play style. Anyway, he transfers out of Colorado, goes to Arizona State, Joins up with Kenny Dillingham over there. Uh, they do have Xavier Gilroy, who has that speed to their skill set. That is a um, FCS transfer over, but he'll probably obviously be the first team guy. Tyson is, well, the recent report for news is that he's entering camp limited. So he's still, he's out there running. I'm not sure how much he's doing. I'm not here. I'm not going to say he's a hundred percent, but like, let's say he's 70, 80%. Look for him to get reps this 
fall, look for him to flash. And I think he's going to take over next year as a as a true breakout. But again, this is a very fast ACL recovery, similar to Adam Randall here. I'm just excited that he's coming back early. I'm I really do get excited when guys heal back from major injuries like that quickly. And he was already on a breakout tear in a terrible system. I mean, a terrible system. And he was playing as pretty good competition. I remember he had like 100 yards against Oregon, I think, honestly, for a touchdown. So Jordan Tyson is my breakout candidate this year. Maybe more of a midseason guy, but I'm in on Jordan Tyson. Yeah, I, I like the way that, that Arizona State is kind of headed. I kind of like Jaden Rashada. I like the hookup there with – um. Why is their head coach slipping my name, my head? Uh, Dillingham. Dillingham, yeah, who's done very well with quarterbacks in the past. Like, Jane Rashada and Jordan Tyson together could be the future of, like, this offense. Because uh, you're right, I don't know how much we're going to see him this year, especially with that ACL. could be like like Adam Randall, where even if they've made the recovery, but he's still going to have kind of a slow season, maybe pick it up a little bit towards the end. We'll see. They also have a lot of bodies in that room already that, that they can rely on pretty pretty well unless there's some injuries in their room but yeah i think it's going to be a little bit of a slow season for him so i'm i'm apprehensive calling him a breakout this year but i do think he's a guy that we need to need to keep on the radar um for my guy i'm heading over to a little bit of a my guy here a guy that you can get pretty cheap now um but a guy that got a lot of buzz this offseason and a guy that mike will never draft and hates when i talk about him but i'm gonna talk about him anyways and that's wisconsin wide receiver cj williams um Yeah, the biggest red flag here is obviously that he didn't break any of the year one zero thresholds first first year at USC there. Um, but to me, this is going to be one of those guys that's going to break that mold, man. There's a few of them out there, and he's going to be that one of those guys. You know, he's a high pedigree kid uh, who I thought showed some pretty decent technicality in his game, like at least on his high school film for for the kind of guy he was with the size he had. Um, he's, he's the kind of guy who has that my ball mentality at the catch point too, which I really liked. Um, and I mean, since going to Wisconsin, there's been nothing but glowing reports since stepping on campus. He started out with the second team. He was dominating them so much. He, he pretty much forced the coaching staff to put him on the first team, um, which is where he started the spring game. He's listed there on Wisconsin's first depth chart. So he's climbed that pretty high. Wisconsin is bringing in Phil Longo as well from UNC to bring their OC usually has pretty prolific offenses, um, especially through the air as well. This room kind of lacks, uh, that wide receiver one option at the moment. There is a lot of guys, you vying for that spot right now but uh this guy is the best pedigree he's still in his early declare window um enter a situation where he kind of brings something to the table that that none of these other guys do that's kind of one thing that austin talks about when he's looking for for breakouts is a guy who brings something to the room that nobody else does i think cj williams does that so i kind of think he has a good chance to see a breakout season with the badgers this year i'm gonna need to defer to like (laughs) Our our Wisconsin insider and have him ask what the coaching staff thinks about CJ Williams. I just they love him. They love him. All the reports have been great. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a player here, talk a little bit about him because I, I feel a little fake because I'm not a true believer the way some other people are here, but I know Corey's a bigger fan than me. But I'm gonna talk about Squirrel White, Tennessee wide mm. receiver here. Um his top three games last year, week eight against Tennessee Barton. He went five for 122 and one. Now, you know, it's a G it's a, it's a pretty low level competition, but followed up against South Carolina, five for ninety-six, and then finished off in a bowl game against Clemson, nine for one oh eight and one. Uh, he's a smaller guy for five foot ten, one sixty-five. He's probably even smaller than that than what's listed. Um, <laughs> but he's a he's a little speedy deep threat. He's also kind of used in short area games too. Like I want to get him more involved in like the uh, the yak department, just using his speed. Um, but you know, Jalen Hale is gone. Jalen Hyatt is gone. 
uh, and everyone, everyone is is assuming that he's going to take over that role. So I'm kind of on board with that. I think that's very projectable, very easy to do. I think he really is a true breakout. Uh, we're just more of the mindset that he is a CFF asset than he is Debbie. Corey, you got any yeah, thoughts he, about Squirrel White? Yeah, he's kind of like a long shot Debbie, I guess. Right? Like, I think that he is going to be productive, and I think that he's going to get drafted just because of the speed and the production. You know what I mean? Like, um, this guy ran like a 10 6, 100 meter, like a 21.5, 200 meter. Like, he's got he's got wheels and like unlike Jalen Hyatt, who I think was a little bit more vertical. I do think squirrel white has a little bit more lateral to his game. Like he can be a guy that's a little bit quicker in short spaces or whatever, but yeah, he's probably going to be like typecasted as, as, as kind of a gadget guy. Like I think he makes the NFL, which makes him a Debbie prospect. Yeah. I just don't know how much you can expect from him at that, the NFL level. I do want to say this though. I want to, I want I just want to comment on Mike's misfits. A lot of them are sophomores and people are painting at home and be like, wait, why is it Mike? <laughs> hyping up his guys like he always does i'm a realist okay i'm a realist and i'm looking at him and i know i asked Corey or not Corey, excuse me i asked austin during his ama what his favorite mike misfit was and he was like you know i don't know if i like any of them because they all come from <laughs> terrible offenses and like, which wasn't like a wrong statement uh so like Candon brown you know i talked about this 900 yard benchmark i love Candon brown i think he has potential to be the wide receiver one there i think I really do think that he has the potential to, to do that. But when I'm thinking about like raw metrics, like what is that, 700 yards max? Like I don't know if that's a true breakout. And then I like Joseph Grissom from, from Boston College. Brian O'Keefe is there. He should be the one. Um, but again, I'm not sure if there's enough volume there for him to really break out. Uh, Octavian Smith Jr. is there. He's got, he's got to overcome Josh Gaddis. It's a crowded room. Amari Evans, we just talked about how they're bringing all these transfers in. He's probably the three in that offense. And they're going to ground pound the ball a lot over there. My list of misfits, I still believe in. I just don't know if they're going to break out rather than they're going to take the next step. I can't really call them a breakout, but I think they're going to take the next step. They're going to be very, you know, you know, 500-yard producers. Like, I'll be excited about that from any of my misfits after their year one production. So that's why my misfits aren't on this list. <laughs> I actually – I wrote down just some sleepers of names that I was going to mention at the end. One of them was Amari Evans, who, you know, was is kind of an, a really athletic guy that we've kind of, there's a couple of us here at Camp County who have been on a little bit, flashed a little bit in that Penn State spring game. But of course, Dante Cephas wasn't there. We're not really sure how this wide receiver core is going to work out. But again, as a sleeper, I kind of like that call as well. I wrote down Jordan Tyson as a sleeper, but you decided to actually talk about him. Um, yeah. I just thought because of the ACL tear, there wasn't going to be much buzz or whatever. And the only other guy that I think is a little bit of a sleeper but it's a very crowded wide receiver room which makes us a hard guy too but is dylan bell wide receiver uh, okay. um, at georgia who got some playing time as a true freshman played with the first team uh in the spring game as well oh, i don't know if it was actually the spring the first team but seemed like he was playing with the starting offense in, in the spring game as well has a nice build to him has some nice route running ability has gotten some buzz in the offseason so maybe a guy there that can maybe make some noise but very gonna be very hard in that georgia offense unless carson beck decides to throw for four thousand yards and then I didn't mention Chris Bell, another Bell there. Uh, Louisville yeah, wide receiver. You shouldn't mention him. You shouldn't mention him because nobody is. He's an – oh, no one's mentioning these misfits, but everyone just wants to talk about the top the top players. Everyone no, but at least some of them have out. actually gotten some buzz. Like Chris Bell has nothing. He's hurt. Nothing. He's hurt. I'm sorry that he's nothing. not on the field. He's hurt. Nothing on Chris Bell. <laughs> he's hurt. <laughs> okay. Running backs. All right. 
Yeah, let's get over to running backs here. Uh, I wrote in my notes to exclude running backs over that hit the 800 yard mark. Uh, I didn't really which know was, what to that was just like a weird threshold. It was just because you wanted to talk about specific guys that, that probably were under. Did that. you want to talk about the guys over? Like, I don't know, the uh, Trevor Etienne, right? Like, is he broken out? We said, we saw plenty no, of them. It's true. harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it is. Like, the number makes sense. It, it makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to call a breakout for running backs because 800 yards is like, Oh, actually, Etienne didn't even hit 800 yards, so we can talk about him. I'll talk about him right now. I think he's going to break out. Over Is he going to outproduce Montreal Johnson this year? I mean, I don't want him to, bro, because I, I feel like I was the original guy like pushing the train, and now I'm like emotionally attached to that. And I was I was kind of right, uh, but, you know, um, this is Debbie. There's no real kind of right. So Etienne I, I think was, more, was more efficient, though, right? And he kind of had he was some more efficient down the stretch. He yeah, wasn't down more the stretch, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like Trevia Etienne a little bit more there. I, I'm not sure of how what kind of level he can break out to over there, though. I like when sure. guys beat expectations, right? Like he came in, lost weight. We all thought he was gonna be chunky. He looked yeah. really good. He looked he looked pretty good as a runner, even as a pass catcher too. He looked really good. So I'm still like in the process of processing if I think he's a true like Devi asset that like he can be a, a top end contributor to the next level rather than just you know. One of those guys that ends up being an early day three pick, and you're like, well, he checks all the boxes. He's like Roshan Johnson. Like maybe some guys hype him up and whatever. Maybe we see him do a little bit of stuff. So I'm not really convinced that he's a stud, uh, but he's certainly some guy that I think at right now that you can project him being an early day three draft pick at the worst. I just don't know if he can be better than that. I'll go to um, you know, I just want to get this guy out of the way because I talk about him all the time, anyways. Let's just get him out of the way quickly. Low-hanging fruit. My first breakout as a sophomore is LaQuint Allen, Syracuse running back. Um, very efficient guy with the touches he did get. He didn't get that many, but we used a bunch of different ways, threw the ball, caught the ball, uh, running, saw him you know, take over for Sean Tucker in the bowl game, rushed for over 100 yards, totaled over 150 scrimmage yards, caught 11 passes in that game, which is just like, crazy receiving upside they've talked about how they're using him like that in camp as well um had that suspension cleared he's he's good to go just need to see that weight come up a little bit from 195 pounds um but other than that i think he's in for a a really big breakout season here but that's all i got to say about him i've talked about him enough i'm gonna go over to branson robinson right uh kind of an obvious guy yeah georgia running back here uh he's a little bit banged up Corey talked about that in the notes section here Uh, but you know who else is always banged up over there Kendall Milton. <laughs> That's right, Corey. Kendall Milton's always banged up. I I believe that he'll be banged up again. And then I think Branson Robinson's next up as the early down banger. I do think Dejon Edwards is still there. I think he's more of a Kenny McIntosh pass catching. Maybe he's a little bit used in the in between the twenties. But I think Branson's as soon as Milton goes down, or if I shouldn't say if Milton goes down, I think Branson is instantly in line for the goal line carries. And then obviously we'll get a little bit more between the twenties as years go along, but I think he can break out. I really do think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think he's probably, I mean, there's a lot of upside in the room, but I think he could probably have the most of the room, you know, with his size and his speed combination. Some people say that he doesn't have 
the agility that they want to see. I actually think that he moves pretty well laterally at times, like can can execute a pretty good jump cut, can evade traffic pretty well. He's not going to be the guy who's going to string together like a hundred moves in the open field like some of these guys. But I think that he actually has some pretty good fo- footwork for for a bigger guy. So like I'm excited to see him. I was disappointed that he got he was limited. Um, coming in that he had the injury at the end of spring as well. He was starting to get some good reports because he was like the only healthy guy there, except for like the true freshman and Roger Robinson over there. So I was pretty excited to see what he could have done during that spring and maybe make a name for himself, you know, for that starting job. But unfortunately dealing with injury and so all these running backs to Georgia always dealing with little minor injuries all the time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe got to look at that strength and conditioning for, for running backs. At least the rest of their team seems pretty good. Um, anyways, I'm going to head over to my next guy. This guy just, just barely got under the threshold. Okay. He kind of had a little bit of a mini breakout last season. That's Caleb Johnson, Iowa running back. Um, I think it was kind of just because like Iowa was so difficult to watch like week in and week out, like watching their offense all the time. So, but what Caleb Johnson did become uh, a bright spot uh, at many points of the season for them. Um, Only a three-star guy, but he was singled out by a couple guys in our C2C, uh, in our recruiting uh, channel. Um, Nice athletic profile as recruit. He was, he was clocked over 20 miles per hour at 215. He's now up to 222 pounds entering this year. So that's another good sign. Um, Iowa still kind of kept like running out other guys, but um, Caleb did get double digit touches in seven of the 14 games. He turned three of those into a hundred yard outings, including a 200 yard outing that he had there. Um, he had some moments of inefficiency. He did have some moments of great efficiency as well, but still finished the season with a solid 5.1 yards per carry, hoping to see that improve a little bit, still going to this, into the season. This was a nice stat that I saw though. He forced a missed tackle at the second highest rate in the big 10, you know, more than more than Chase Brown, more than Chase, more than Blake Horum, uh, more than Mo, Mo Ibrahim, who actually were like at the top of the list in in raw number of missed tackles forced. But by rate, he was actually the second highest. Do you know who's first on that list? Take a guess. Who's first at missed tackles forced in the Big Ten? It's somebody you like him. I don't like him. <laughs> That's a long list, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's Mayan Williams from Ohio State. He's actually first in in four tackles rate miss uh miss rate or whatever. So but but Caleb Johnson has solid yards after contact, didn't catch many passes, which might be tough asking this this offense anyways. Maybe we see a little bit more there with McNamara there. But Cap reports they have a quota, good. They have a quota bro, for points. They yeah. gotta start doing yeah. something. <laughs> uh, they seem to be gearing up behind him as as the guy. He's a defensive, run heavy team. Um Caleb, Caleb Johnson this year definitely has a chance to make himself a, a household name. I want to talk about Samuel Brown. Samuel Brown's uh, running back for Rutgers here. So as a recruit, he's coming in at six foot one, one ninety five. Shows up to campus weighing weighing two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, he's just a size speed freak. He has twenty one point nine miles per hour in game. Like that's a top tier speed. Speed. I almost said spear. There, it's funny. Uh, but speed. So he, he's he's just a really good hammer, right? Rutgers has a poor offensive line. If you look at his efficiency, it's really not special. It actually looks pretty bad. If you look at his yards after contact though. It's over three, like 3.5 or something like that yards per contact ranking 13th among all true freshmen last year. Um, I think he's going to have a better year. They bring in a new OC an OC that specializes in the run game. So I hope it's going to open up more for him. He ooh, was an ACL last year. Do you know, do you remember that off the top of your head by any chance? No, I don't actually remember. Okay, so he had an injury. Something like that, yeah. He had an injury where he missed the rest of the year, but he's full go. He was full go into spring, early summer, so we know he's full go right now in camp. I'm keeping my eyes on the news for him, but I think he's a running back that's going to explode this year and then get involved in Debbie conversations. 
I know he's been kind of your guy for a while there. Maybe they get behind him and just kind of ride him into the ground. I haven't taken the, a deep enough look at him to really have to form a strong opinion, but I am a sucker for those size speed freaks. I really am. Um, yeah. I'm going to head over to my guy who I'm still holding the torch strong for a little bit. And some guys are backing off the train a little bit. Um, but four-star prospect and the number 21 ranked back in last year's class. And that's Oklahoma State's Ollie Gordon. Um, I love the size, 6'1", 211 pounds, really productive high school career. Um, he really didn't like get asked to do much last year. Um, very crowded running back room. Um, Mike Gundy always relies on veterans. So that's what he always likes to be uh, his starters. But he got a brief two-game stint as the starter last year, uh, including a game against West Virginia where he had 17 carries, 136 yards, and one touch, uh, one touchdown. Looked pretty good, ran hard, um, read the line of scrimmage really well. I wouldn't say he's the most, like, sudden back. Um, he's got, like, a well-rounded skill set. And, and, you know, like, Mike Gundy's backs are usually pretty productive. You know, like, last year was a bit of an anomaly with, like, them rotating the guys a little bit, guys dealing with injuries. But, you know, before that, like, the running back one usually averaged around, like, 1,400 yards. Uh, 12 touchdowns like over the last five years before that. And and he's put guys in the NFL, Chris Carson, uh, Chuba Hubbard, Jalen Warren's getting a lot of hype in Steelers camp right now behind Najee. So he, he does have an, um, he does have a way of putting these guys into the NFL. So the transition seems to be there. My biggest worry is probably that um, Gundy just always goes to the veteran and there hasn't really been any reports that say he's going to be the main guy, just that he's one of the guys. So uh, I'm just hoping that that flash at the end of off season um, kind of carries over and he can become that workhorse that we've seen in these offenses and, and really put himself on the Debbie radar. So a little bit of a deeper one for me there, but a guy I'm still holding strong for. My last guy here is, is Jan Miller. Uh, I, I feel like the rest of the, the rest of campus game contributors have just, Left him for dead because of Justice Haynes showing up there. Justice Haynes is his high school tape. He's a much better pure runner than Jay Miller was in high school. Um, watching the spring game though, he went for uh, what was it? Ten for ten for forty two. He went for forty two yards. I didn't think I saw anything special in the spring game, and not that I'm expecting anything special out of a true freshman, but just the level of expectation I had was much higher than what I saw in person against actual college talent. Jay Miller has some spot. I can't say spot starts. He he was like a finisher with poor competition last year, and he looked really good. He looked good. He looked good even down the middle. I don't think he's a prolific pure runner, but I'm not ready to write him off the way other guys are. In our recent League of Record draft, I think I got him in like the 10th or the 11th round. Like It's late. Yeah. Like he was a way earlier pick for um well, last year as a true freshman, even when he wasn't a prolific runner. And the only guy really in front of him is Chase McClellan, who – I believe, and I'm not trying to say that I think differently now, but I definitely believe he's the best pure runner in the group right now. He's clearly the lead running back. But this guy had no production profile. And what if another injury strikes? You know, So I'm, I'm not out on Jam Miller here. I, I think he's been written off too soon. So I think he still breaks out. I think there's still a role for him. It's one of those offenses that doesn't really – I was going to say write someone off, but they definitely do a committee. And even guys with limited production profiles like Kenyon Drake – like they get drafted and go on to do great things the next level. Josh Jacobs, too. He didn't really have a big workload. So it was a first-round pick, and he's now a top running back in the NFL. So I'm not out on Jaren Miller. I think worst-case scenario, he's a passing back at the next level. But, I, again, I still think he's going to be very productive here in college, get that draft capital, get the recognition. I think, again, worst-case scenario, he's a passing back at the next level with some running ability. Yeah, and I think, you know, I was reading some, some uh, a piece the other day. I think Alabama knows – 
what they have at quarterback right now. I think they know it's not a bright spot for them. So there's some of these quotes from these offensive linemen. There's some of these quotes from some of the coaches. I think they're really gearing up. Like they're, they're, they're saying we're going to be the best running team in the sec this year. Like, I think they're really gearing up to run. So that could mean like, you know, a lot, even if Jason is a guy, yeah, there's going to be another guy who's going to get a lot of run. I don't know. You know, they're, they're pretty high on Haynes as well, but Jam Miller could be a guy. He's the guy who got playing time as a true freshman last year. He, I did talk about at the beginning that he is dealing with a little bit of that quad issue. Hopefully that doesn't, stop him from being able to make some headway in this depth chart but yeah i'm pretty excited to see him a little bit too there uh do you i don't have any more running backs tight ends do you have any tight ends that you can say i think i could think of two names here that we I should talk about one I okay one. i know who you're going to talk about so you could talk about them all right oscar delp why are we mm. forgetting about oscar delp the georgia tight end that actually <laughs> is tight end size you know like Last spring game, he also killed the spring game for six for 81. But, like, all of a sudden, like, no one cares anymore. Like, yeah, he had to wait his turn. It's Georgia. There's a long line at tight end to get some playing time. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, Darnell Washington is gone. Like, I think he takes that role. I, I, I see on the website he hasn't put on weight. I find that hard to believe. A true freshman didn't put on weight. But, again, I don't know. I'm just going off the reports. So, the reports say he didn't. So, uh, but I, I just – I think he's a very prolific athlete and player, and he's just being left for dead. I, I'm consistently drafting him in the eighth round, <laughs> and I usually I can't say this all the time, but when I'm drafting in like the like after the first five or six rounds, I'm asking myself what guys are going to be drafted higher next year. You know, who's going to increase their value? And I feel like Oscar Delp, even if he has like a not. I can't say mediocre, but obviously he's not going to overtake Brock Bowers. But if he's like very clearly the next one in line and people see that at the end of the season that, okay, it's going to be Oscar Delp next year, he's going to be a, a top five like round pick player next year. Anyway, Oscar Delp's being left for dead. I don't understand why. It's Georgia. Yeah. It's Georgia it, tight end. Do you think that maybe some people think that he's not going to be in the Brock Bowers role? Like maybe like they're going to keep him in the Darnell Washington role. Maybe they're going to like split out someone else. Like Lawson Lucky is like, is is a, like a prototypical copy and paste at, of Brock Bowers, just less, less athletic, but like same size, save like movement skills, like wide receiver. Oh, like, I, I like, do, I, I think, do you think that's think, maybe the worry that people have? I don't know. I think Delp is clearly a much better mover than, than Darnell Washington. I mean, yeah. Washington he's looked good. Like, in his, he's looked good in his short time. Like the times that we've seen Delp, like he's actually looked good on the field. Yeah. And, and Washington tested well, but like on the field, like he wasn't like fluid, you know? No, I he's think, like Jelani Woods. Delp, like he's like, like lumbering, oh, not that stiff. That guy was goofy out there. <laughs> I, I was lumbering. Yeah, <laughs> literally, he was learning how to walk. Yeah, um, but I, I, I think Delp's a much better mover than that. So I don't know why I'm always drafting him. I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm turning to Chris Moxley here. I'm with you there. I do. I did like what I've seen from Lawson Lucky in this spring, but I'm actually with you. I just wanted to ask the question anyways, but maybe, maybe why some people are, are leaving him for dead. The only other guy that I can think of at, at tight end. And I mean, um, not something that I specialize in anyways, but that's Mason Taylor at LSU who showed some like brief flashes um, here and there. Um, never really put up any like gaudy. Household lines, but... name. You can't call that a breakout. He only had 200 and something yards last year. That's huge for freshman tight end. His best, his best receiving game was 44 yards. He just like I he 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 had like some of those special moments, some of those nice grabs. I think that that put his his name on the map. So regardless, I I'm talking about a tight end here. Okay, give me a break, man. All right, I'm I'm trying my best here to give some names to the people. Um, 
but he's the only guy I can really consider as a breakout for this year um, for this class. I mean, I don't even know if I have another 2025 guy ranked, but I only have 25 tight ends ranked anyway. So. <laughs> good man. Good man. Yeah. All right, guys, that that's going to wrap up the, uh, the 2024 or excuse me, the sophomore, the second year, which are really what the sophomores are, but the second year player breakouts um, for us here today. Uh, I want to make sure everyone got this message here. The Pac-12 is going, bro. It's going. Make sure you go grab your <laughs> memento. Go grab something to commemorate the moment. Go to Home Field Apparel. Type in the code CAMPUS, the number two, and then Canton to get 15% off so you can tell your grandkids where you were when the Pac-12 imploded, all right? And then from Mike and from Corey, good night and good luck.